The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here with Spencer the Wizard. Today, we're going to be breaking down the Missouri Valley Conference Championship. We actually went live to the Scott Trade Center, and you'll be listening to excerpts from our experience. In segment number two, you're going to hear mostly first-half discussion. And when you hear it, you're probably going to think that Illinois State is going to have a tremendous upset. Then just to keep you on your toes, we're going to not comment on the second half at all, but instead go right to the postgame interviews and let you fill in the gaps. So having said that, the logical thing to do would be to talk about the craziness that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Transaction after transaction, at least they are rumored. We're not yet into the period where free agents can be officially determined. But that doesn't stop the rumor mill. And the announcements of the actual trades acquisitions for the Philadelphia Eagles and other teams. So, very controversial. Let's get right into it. Spencer, why don't you go over the transactions and your opinions. Okay, Bruce, uh, thank you for introducing me to the show. It's great to be back on air again, and this is a very exciting time of year because even though football is not actually going on, there are no games, but free agency is in full swing, and players are getting dealt left and right, and it's fun to analyze what 2015 might look like. So for the Philadelphia Eagles, they made some interesting decisions this past week. Starting off last Thursday, LaShawn McCoy took his bags and his luggage and headed up north to Buffalo where he was exchanged for rookie linebacker Kiko Alonso. Now Alonso played at Oregon under Chip Kelly, was the defensive rookie of the year. I believe he was a pro bowler as a rookie, as a linebacker, but he did tear his ACL last year and that is an ongoing that is an ongoing concern going forward is maybe he could be injury prone because players that have torn their ACL, such as Derrick Rose in the NBA, might have lingering injuries going on with his career. But if Kiko Alonso could stay healthy, I think that that would definitely fill a void in the Eagles' defense. And that could be very crucial. With the Eagles lose with McCoy's an explosive home run hitting running back who had a tremendous 2013 season. And on the backside of his 2014 season, he really got in his rhythm. He found his groove in Washington versus the Giants, both both meetings. So LaShawn McCoy is one of the most talented improvisers with the football. He can juke people. He can really, he can dance in the backfield, make people miss. And of course, he's very quick. He is not the most physical downhill runner, though. And Chip Kelly this past week has had interest in acquiring Frank Gore of the 49ers, a veteran running back, to kind of fill in for McCoy. The problems with Gore is that he's 32 years old. He's been playing for, you know, at least 10 years. And I don't know how much, how many good years Frank Gore has left in him. And, and LaShawn McCoy is definitely more in his prime. Now, McCoy would have costed 
the Eagles about $12 million per year. So they really, ha- I think actually $16 million. So the Eagles have really saved in that department by letting go of McCoy. They now have a lot more cap space. What they did with that cap space was they acquired Byron Maxwell, the top cornerback on the market from the Seattle Seahawks. A guy who's, who's tall, physical, and he hasn't got as much publicity because in Seattle he plays with Camp Chancellor and Earl Thomas in the secondary and Richard Sherman. So now Byron Maxwell is going to get a great opportunity in Philadelphia to prove himself. The Eagles did overpay a little bit for Maxwell, but it was a move that was a necessity for the Eagles because their cornerback play last year was definitely the weak point of their team as Des Bryant and Randall Cobb really gashed their secondary last season, including Garcon. So I think that that move was was pretty good. In terms of letting McCoy go, I actually think that as a New York Giant as a New York Giants observer, I think that a, Giant, a lot of Giants fans are taking a sigh of relief because McCoy really burned the Giants a lot. It's a lot less scary not having to face McCoy every year from Giants fans. And Jeremy Macklin is now gone, so you don't have that wide receiver fill-in. And Macklin had a career year last year. He was very productive. Bruce, you saw Jeremy Macklin last year, and now he's in Kansas City. That's also news. The Eagles didn't pay him. What are your thoughts about Jeremy Macklin? Well, I was I was really surprised. They really, you know, they, it took them five years to develop this guy. This guy came out of University of Missouri was always in the shadow of Deshaun Jackson. He had a severe injury last year, uh, two years ago, I should say. And last year really emerged as a solid number one player, albeit not a burner. And then without any real warning, he signed with Kansas City to go back with Andy Reid. Just giving you a flash survey on philly.com, the question is, of course, did the Eagles make the right move in letting Jeremy Macklin go? A full 68.5% said no, and only a meager 31.5% agree with this move. Well, I can understand that because what are the Eagles left with? This is really the high-flying Oregon offense, which is, which is predicated on many uh, wide receivers' speed. So you're left with Riley Cooper as your number one. He had a real off year last year, and a lot of people criticized his signing. He was overpaid. And now I don't think anybody's going to pick up his contract, so he's essentially untradeable. And then you look, who do you have? you got Josh Huff, who I think was very spotty, who was injured most of the preseason last year, made one of the big errors of the season on a kickoff where he basically muffed a kickoff to lose a game and then dropped a lot of passes, didn't really emerge as much of a uh, wide receiver. And now you're going to count on him as the number three. Uh, Jordan Matthews had a very good year. And as the year went through, as a rookie, they gradually worked a bit. But I don't think anybody's expecting him to be a, a number one. I think he's a two, three right now. And the question is, what are the Eagles going to do for number one? Another side of this is that you you look at the players who are somewhat vocal and one of them of course is LaShawn McCoy he was a very vocal outspoken guy you look at Deshaun Jackson he's gone now who are the other leaders on the team certainly McCoy was a leader on the team and an outspoken guy look at Kerry Williams he certainly had Sconsgate last summer he also criticized the coaching staff for weakening him on Saturdays. He didn't like practicing before the game. So it seems that now that Chip Kelly has really seized control of all the personnel maneuvers, he's really getting rid of any dissenting voices in the locker room. But my concern is you're also getting rid of guys that are leaders and passionate guys. A guy who is um, questionable to return is a guy named D'Amico Ryans who's the inside linebacker who, who had a second Achilles tear last year. And you talked about Kiko Alonso, who will be essentially slated as a starting inside linebacker. Today, Spencer, they announced Brandon Graham, who was, I think, always an undersized defensive end, <clears throat> serviceable outside linebacker. 
they signed a pretty big contract, $25 million guaranteed. So you're just not going to be able to cut this guy. And are we really projecting him to be an impact player? I don't know. So that's really where the Eagles are. And another move is signing Mark Sanchez with some good guaranteed money. He's getting paid as a solid backup quarterback. And obviously Chip Kelly liked what he saw. And obviously the, the last game of the year was was not favorable. But Sanchez played great against Dallas at the end of the year. And he's not he's not a deep ball thrower. But the, the question is, does the re-signing of Sanchez, does that signal the end for the Nick Foles era and the beginning of the Marcus Mariota era or not? That is up for debate. Yeah, I believe if they don't get Mariota in the draft, they'll either get Hunley out of UCLA or Petty out of Baylor because they really want to pay Mark Sanchez to maybe start this year and then to be a backup and kind of be a mentor to the guy that they're going to select in the draft because Nick Foles, he's proven that he could be a suitable starter. At least for one year, he had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. He had a strong year. I think that teams would definitely be interested in him, and the Eagles are probably going to trade him in the draft for a top-five pick. They're probably going to give them the team Nick Foles, maybe some picks down the line. Nick Foles is a six foot five quarterback, can throw the ball down the field, and is definitely a serviceable guy when you look at the quarterback talent in this league. So, Signing Mark Sanchez and not Nick Foles, I think it's obvious that Chip wants to kind of have Mark Sanchez as a security blanket, and I think that leaves Nick Foles kind of in the in the shadows of their of their idea. So I definitely think that there's no there's no sugarcoating that they want Marcus Mariota in the draft. Now you look at the wide receivers, I'm going to mention a couple names that I think can fill in for Jeremy Macklin and the production will not go down. You have Torrey Smith of Baltimore, who Joe Flacco throws the ball too deep down the field. He's a guy that is a home run threat, can definitely run down the field. Uh, he needs to work on his intermediate routes more, but Torrey Smith is a guy that's definitely would put some fear into defensive secondaries. Then you have a guy who's battled injuries in San Francisco, Michael Crabtree, very highly talented, uh, played college ball down in Lubbock, Texas for uh, Graham Harrell and the Red Raiders when they had that historic 2008 year. I think Crabtree would also fit very well in this offense. There's a ton of ways you can go. And then a guy that I think has been underutilized for years and who's ultra-talented is a very tall and an extremely explosive receiver is Dwayne Harris out of Dallas. Every time the football is kicked to Dallas. He has to, or to Harris, he has the potential to take it to the house every time. And if the Eagles can get him for, they probably wouldn't have to pay as much because Harris hasn't been used as a primary receiver with them having Cole Beasley as the number three guy behind Williams and Bryant. So if they can bring in Harris, even Wes Welker and Andre Johnson, some veterans, I think it's unbelievable to look down this list of receivers and how deep the position is. Dwayne Bowe, Andre Johnson, and then for running backs, you have Reggie Bush and C.J. Spiller that are also free agents as long as as well as Ryan Matthews. So I think there are certainly options here. And right now the puzzle is not complete. When you look at the Macklin deal of Macklin leaving, you didn't consider his replacement. And his replacement should be on the way very soon. So Eagles fans right now are left reacting, but Chip is not done sculpting his overall master plan. And you have to keep that in mind. Certainly true. We are... At the end of our first segment, I want to thank everybody who are listening to VoiceAmerica.com, Voice America Sports. We want to thank, of course, Ray Ellis and our president, Jeffrey Spinard. We'll be back in three minutes. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. 
serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Are you ready to talk sports with a passion? Get ready for Cheap Shots with Luther Broughton and Micah Warren. We'll start off with the NFL pretty much always, but the talk moves along from there. We'll talk about the events of the week, opinions from the big names, and predictions of what's to come. Plus, we'll get to hear from you, the ultimate fan. Don't let the name of the show fool you. We're in it for the good stuff. Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time or p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented by Outdoor Channel. We're going after elk, and our hunting party will include executive producer of Realtree Outdoors, David Blanton, outdoor writer Tim McWelch, Cabela's optics manager Phil Severinsen, and award-winning author Keith McCafferty. Did you know the elk threaten each other by curling back their upper lip, grinding their teeth, and hissing softly? That's what Jim does. And it's presented to you by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Seven minutes left. First half, Illinois State jumped out to a 23-12 lead. Illinois State's just beating Northern Iowa to the punch right now. They've been able to get the ball inside to uh, to Lynch, and uh, Deshaun Knight has really put on a show in this first half. They've they've uh, started off uh, they've left off right where they started yesterday, and just a really impressive performance by the Redbirds today. Really getting inside, using transition to really open up three-point opportunities for Justin McLeod. Justin McLeod has really hurt Northern Iowa in this first half. And then Illinois State has really buckled down on the defensive end. They're really being physical with Seth Tuttle down low. And Northern Iowa has got no easy transition basket. So right now Illinois State is in control. Northern Iowa, though, their fan base is really getting involved. A couple of back-and-forth moments and Northern Iowa I think is going to try to cut this lead before halftime 7-18 left in the first half we'll be back well the devastation continues on an alley-oop massive dunk by Reggie Lynch going into half, two minutes left 33-15 to Redbirds dominating in all aspects. Yeah, I mean, Justin McLeod continues to pour in threes. Northern Iowa's tight. They're not shooting the basketball very well right now, and they just have no matchup advantages on the offensive end. And Deion Mitchell's getting inside, but he's not hes not getting the type of shots he wants. They're trying to pound it down low to Seth Tunnel, but Lynch is just, is just matching him with physicality right now, and... Uh, and the Illinois State has really solved the puzzle, which is the Northern Iowa defense. They just have better athletes than Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa has to double down low, and they're kicking it out for some wide-open threes. For you and I, I don't think that they can double anymore because it's leaving them with wide-open looks. And I think Dion and Wes Wasman have to get into the lane more and look to drive and kick because Northern Iowa's had no open looks this half. Nate Butts just came back with a counter punch three of the elbow, cutting the lead to 15. Two minutes left. Official timeout. 
we've seen is a game where the momentum since the beginning has been with Illinois State. More energy, tremendous on the defensive glass. I don't think you and I has had any follow-up putbacks and just in general out-rebounding by a large margin. Yeah, I mean, uh, Northern Iowa just hasn't been able to get off and uh, for them to win the game, they got to really limit transition, slow the game down, play a grinded out half-court game and for Illinois State, they're driving the ball in the lane, they're getting double teamed and they're making the right decision. I think Northern Iowa has to go man for man, not double, not give them that opportunity and continue to have Illinois State operate in the half court because in transition, the athletes of Illinois State can really hurt Northern Iowa if their defense is not set. Here we are at halftime at the Scott Trade Center. Missouri Valley Conference Championship. This is your porter, Dr. Bruce Spencer the Wizard at halftime. Illinois State Redbirds, 36. UNI Panthers, 22, a 14-point spread at halftime. Nobody expected this. Illinois State had lost both of its meetings against UNI earlier, once by a single point, the other a blowout of 19 points. Spence, break it down. Well, Tayshawn Knight has really gotten off to a hot start in this game. I mean, he, uh, he, he's, he has 11 points so far in this basketball game. Lynch inside has been pretty good for Illinois State, and they're just really getting out in transition, hitting a lot of three-point shots, and their offense has just been functioning on all cylinders. It's really been firing on all cylinders. So Northern Iowa also, since, since Illinois State is scoring the basketball, Northern Iowa hasn't gotten out in transition at all, and they haven't been getting any open shots. So UNI just really has a lot of work to do in the second half in terms of their defensive intensity, and then they haven't knocked down for any open shots. So. I think Coach Pat Davidson's going to have to own his stripes. The team just looks listless, confused, a lot of tentative shots. And looking at, uh, there's, it seems like the uh, the crowd is pretty juiced here with respect to uh, Illinois State. They've got there's a lot of red in the crowd, and they're really feeding off the momentum of the team. Yeah, I'd say it's maybe 60-40 Northern Iowa. There's a lot more Illinois State people here than yesterday. And for Illinois State to get over the hump and really beat the top dog in the Valley in Wichita State yesterday, in the second half they shot 63% from the field. And you had Deshaun Knight that was just, he was breaking people down from an isolation dribble standpoint, knocking down three-pointers, playing really loose. Illinois State just looks really loose out here. They still have the underdog mentality, and they are more athletic than Northern Iowa in every aspect. So it's uh, it's unbelievable that this team went 11 and 7 in conference. It's one of the great mysteries of college basketball, and one can only suspect that their chemistry has improved, their work ethic on defense, and them sensing that it's postseason play now. I mean. What are your theories for why this team went 11 and 7 in conference and were the fourth seed in the Valley? Because they look like they can make some noise, not only in this tournament, but the NCAA tournament. Well, I see uh, the leadership. I see Reggie Lynch, and I see Deshaun Knight just really taking charge. Lynch is a complete beast. He looks, he's about 6'10, and basically he's, he's doing a lot of double teaming, really quick defense, really matching up with Seth Tuttle down low. I think that's one of the big keys to the game is Tuttle, while he's had six points, he has not been a dominant force as a player of the year here in the Valley. And uh, Reggie Lynch just looks all world. He looks to me like he would look good in a uh, NBA uniform. When you look at the Northern Iowa Panthers, Seth Tuttle's, the, everything runs through him. He's the catapult of this offense. He's the quarterback at the center. He's an unbelievable passer from the post. He's a guy that if you don't double him, can go to his right hand and finish. And Illinois State is combating that with great athleticism with Lynch, as you mentioned, really going one-on-one -on -one with Tuttle. They're not doubling him. And they're really playing Seth really physical down, down low. But for Northern Iowa, they have to keep going to Seth Tuttle. 
get Illinois State in foul trouble because usually most teams in the Valley will double Sep Tuttle and then Sep can spray it out to open shooters that'll make some shots. But here, since Illinois State has Lynch and they have other big guys like Austin Hollins, they are not necessarily have to double and that's causing the Northern Iowa shooters on the perimeter to not be able to get open shots. And, and when you attend to the Northern Iowa shooters, you can combat their perimeter play. The one thing UNI has going for them is a very deep bench. And need, they need to come out in waves in the second half. I think they're going to be pressing. Would you go zone press or man-to-man -man press? I would go, definitely go zone press just to throw Northern, just throw Illinois State off its offensive flow, get the crowd involved, and just play a little bit looser on the offensive end, take more risks. So Northern Iowa was taking the shot clock down. And, and when they penetrate, the guards aren't looking to necessarily score. They're kind of hesitating. I would like to see some pull-up jumpers in the lane maybe, get some offensive rebound opportunities, see them really attack the 10. And it's different from for Northern Iowa because usually their defense can can jumpstart their offense. They don't necessarily have a an unbelievably superior half-court game. So for Northern Iowa, again, it's it's pressing, it's chopping up the game, and it, and that's what they're going to have to do here with a very athletic bunch in Illinois State. The one guy who's provided a spark in the first half is Buss, who had a three-pointer from the elbow and then another driving basket. So he's one guy who's got the length and seems he's matching up well with Illinois State. So we'll be back almost through halftime here at the Scott Trade Center. We're going to break here. I want to thank everybody on voiceamerica.com and back on fans interference for listening to this live coverage of the Missouri Valley. Championship game at the Scott Trade Center here in St. Louis, Missouri. We'll be back in three. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Champions of Arch Madness are here. You and I, Panthers... For custom, we're going to uh, ask Coach Ben Jacobson to make a statement on the title game and the questions for the student-athletes of uh, North Iowa, Jeremy Morgan, Marvin Singleton, Seth Tunnel, Matt Mohan, and Leon Nation. Ben, please. Thank you. Uh, that was, uh, well, that was different than just about every game I've been a part of Illinois State. Uh, as I said yesterday, it's got a heck of a basketball team. Dan is doing a fantastic job of, of putting that group together. <coughs> and they, they played the first half the way they, they played yesterday. They continued with that momentum, extremely aggressive, and, and uh, a lot of guys made plays for them. So we had we had more than our hands full at halftime. And I, uh, I give our guys a lot of credit for uh, sticking to uh, what's worked for us, getting that ball into Seth, attacking the transition. Do the things we practice when we've been easy to, to get away from it. So, uh, the Illinois State, as we saw this weekend, is certainly a postseason type of team. Uh, 
would, I would imagine they'll be in the NIT for sure. Uh, uh, they're very, very good. And, uh, probably our guys for, for sticking to what's worked for us. Questions for the Panthers? Stu Matthews, right here to start. Seth, uh, start with you. With all the accolades, 30 wins, top 10 ranking, what's it mean to kind of add a trophy to us? Yeah, you know, that. Um, it means a lot for for not just me, but our team and our you know, our uh, our university. You know, we at the beginning of the year we left a slot open in our new team room, um, and we and we talked about how we wanted to fill that with with trophies this year. Uh, and so obviously that was one of our, our our team's goals. And for us to be able to come down here and get three wins and um, get those trophies to, to fill that slot, it, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling. It means it means a lot. Sad you've never done this before. How does it compare to? <coughs> Yeah, you know, it. Uh, I, I've gotten told what it felt like. Um, obviously, you can never put those words into how it actually feels when you get out there. And I can tell you, it feels. Uh, it felt great um, to be able to share share it with these five or these four and the rest of our guys and our coaching staff and you know my family in the stands and our crowd. You know, to be able to share this moment, uh, it um, it felt great, and and I know we're all uh, we're all really excited about it. Marvin, uh, Illinois State, it looked like really wanted to play a physical game and go. Uh, did you guys feel ready for that early? And then what got you in the focus? Clearly, it turned around and you settled in, uh, obviously, in the second half. Uh, we know it's going to be a physical game. They, uh, they're pretty big on the front. They have a couple big guys that are like, uh, black shot and like the chase rebound. So we know it's going to be a physical game on both ends of the floor. In the second half, um, they just missed a couple shots. We were able to get our transition to a couple of easy baskets. <laughs> It wasn't really defensive problems, I wouldn't say. They, they came out and they hit some tough shots right away from the beginning. And uh, when, when players like that hit, hit shots, they start to feel it a little bit. And uh, so they had a little momentum in the, in the first half there. But uh, we just stuck with what we knew best and uh, came out the second half and did a great job. For any, I guess for any of the guys out there, the differences between the first and the second half obviously couldn't have been more different. Was there almost a pressure relief when you went out in the second half knowing that you just had to go out and play to get back into it? You didn't have to worry about anything? Matt first and Dion second, please. <coughs> Yeah, kind of like Jay said, we had a, a few uh, defensive lapses in the first half. They had a, quite a few uh, transition buckets that we were trying to take away, and um, they did a good job of spreading the floor and getting some of those easy ones. So uh, <clears throat> at halftime, we just kind of had to dig in a little bit, and uh, like we have all year, uh, just uh, sticks to some of, the some of the things that we've been doing all year to um, get us to a win. Uh, like you said, we just tried to had we had, we had to cut that lead to, to 10 as quickly as we can, and uh, we did that. Like both of them said, they uh, they came out in the first half really aggressive and they were knocking down uh, a lot of tough shots. So we just knew, like Jay said earlier, we just got to lock in and stay doing what we've been doing and uh, eventually we'll come out on top. Right hand side, go. Just questions for Matt. How were you guys able to disrupt entry passes to Lynch? It looked like it was a lot tougher for him to get on the post in the second. Yeah, we know. Uh, we know like, they like to run their offense through him. Uh, he's a very good player. He he scores a lot of times. He gets the ball around the basket, and uh, we knew that uh, tough playing behind. We were gonna have to have some help from um, Marv or Bus when they were in there. And uh, um, with their um, Hawkins is a good shooter at the forward position, so it was kind of hard to double off him. So uh, in the second half, we just tried to let them know we were there. Let them know that the guards were digging in or a little bit, or, or Marv or Bus were coming sometimes or not. And uh, we just kind of had to give them some different looks. And uh, I thought in the second half, he kind of struggled a little bit just because he knew that we were coming from um, a different direction every time. This is for any of the guys. You had an honor on the staff this year to help with conditioning. How much did that help in the second half like a game like this? Marv first, and then we'll go to Jeremy. Uh, I think it uh, helped out a lot of uh, team-wise, being able to play a full game for 20, uh, 40 minutes instead of just playing the first half and probably collapsing and just giving up. But we stuck with it second half. We uh, knew we could get our transition. They missed a couple shots. We knew we could get our transition and get some easy baskets. But we were really ready for the physical game and uh, the transition game as well. Uh, yeah, I want to go Mark said, you know, Andre came in this year and uh, he had a big, big impact on our conditioning, you know, starting with the summer and then uh, all the way up through the season, you know, uh, working us with our warm-ups and 
uh, everything that he does, just like everybody else in this program, uh, helps tremendously. So uh, we appreciate him a lot. Uh, Seth, uh, kind of a big picture question. You guys are kind of leading the way for a state that's going to have three teams in the NCAA. As a guy who grew up in Iowa, what do you think that means? Or what, what's it like to be able to uh, be part of a threesome that's going to be the NCAA tournament? Uh, yeah, you know, there's um, a lot of buzz going around the state of Iowa, uh, not, not only obviously for us, but the other two universities, and that's exciting. Um, you know, it's exciting to have good basketball around us, and, you know, just, uh, you know, I guess we, we haven't really focused too much about the, the other two universities. We've, we've been concentrating on ourselves, but, you know, it, uh, obviously it just, um, it just adds, to, adds to the season, adds to everything, what's, what's going on, so it, it's exciting for everybody. Uh, what did uh, Jake say? Maybe more importantly, how did he say it in the halftime locker Yeah, you know, he um, he stayed calm at, at, like he always does. And, uh, you know, he, he told us that even though we're down by however many it was, uh, you know, he still felt like the game was ours. He still felt like we were fine. Um, we had to get back to playing our kind of basketball. You know, we had to be the ones that were putting them on their, heel, on their heels. And, you know, basically they were the more aggressive team in the first half. Um, and we were back on our heels, and we talked about how we had to we had to flip flop that. Uh, one one main thing was you know we talked about getting it under ten right away, um, put to put some pressure on them, um, and then obviously let uh, let ourselves get in, into a nice little rhythm, and we were able to do that um, obviously pretty quick there in the second half. For Matt, the shot making was obviously a big difference. What was the difference that took the lid off, and why was it? Switching ends was something uh, I wouldn't say switching ends. They're just kind of we were staying confident and kept shooting. Um, we know that we've put in a lot of preparation, every single one of us, through the summer, through the off season, and whatnot to to make those shots. And uh, we just stayed confident. And uh, we'd go to the sidelines. We have guys and coaches saying, "Just shoot it. Just be confident." And uh, um, the next one's going to go in. That's kind of what happened. We just kept shooting, and fortunately, some of them fell. Dion, in the first half, it looked like some good looks the rim, but in the second half, did the game really slow down for you? Um, in the first half, uh, we were getting some stops uh, in the first few minutes. I had a few good open looks, and then towards the second half, um, we tried to do the same stuff. Uh, they were collapsing more, and they were in their zone, so we just tried to slow it down a little bit and uh, work it inside out and uh, kick it out to the open three-point shots, and it worked, it worked well for us. Anything else for the student-athletes of UNI? All right, gentlemen, we can dismiss you. Thank you very much. Congratulations. See you in the big dance. Let's be here with Coach Frank Jacobs in a little while longer.
three years ago, he was probably going to get minutes that he wanted. Today, he got the all-conference team. What has he done to earn that this year? He is, uh, he's putting so much more effort into uh, the teamwork it takes defensively. He's putting so much more effort into the toughness it takes to rebound. Uh, and then he's, then he's just grown tremendously, generally speaking, uh, in terms of being a teammate. And uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm really, really proud of him. He, uh, he's come a long ways in all of those areas. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to do it, it's one thing to do it for yourself to get on the floor. It's another, you know, that's always part of it, but it's another to do it to, to help your team. And I think that's what Nate has really grown into and really learned that, you know, at the beginning, it was about him getting on the floor. And by the time we got to this point, it was about how can I help my team win a championship, whether it's two minutes or 32 minutes. And that, uh, I really enjoyed being a part of that. Coach, in the second half, the most didn't have the type of looks he had in the first half. Is that because we're doubling less? No, we, we needed to we needed to run him off that three point line, and we made a couple defensive mistakes in the first half with with him and with Hawkins. And, uh, and one of the things we talked about was making sure we run those two guys off the three point line, make a bounce. Coach Matt mentioned confidence in terms of shooting. Where does that stem from for these guys? The most important you know, the most important thing in the best place that that can come from, Jeremiah, is putting time in every day. And that's, to answer your question, that's where it comes from. They're in, uh, all are in every single day. And it uh, starts at, uh, I believe, 7 in the morning with Mohammed. And uh, shortly after that, it's Max, Jeremy, and Wyatt. Uh, shortly after that, it's Marvin, uh, Dion, Seth, I can keep going. It's, uh, it's all, uh, but it's the same every single day. They're in and they shoot hundreds of shots. Um, and the thing that I've appreciated most about, about our program is that this isn't the first group to do that. There was guys before them that, uh, that showed, the, showed them the way to confidence. Uh, it's through hard work. That's the only way you get there. And these guys have been great. And they had, they had some great guys before them to help them understand the importance of preparation. They have the right to go. You've been down this road before with the NCAA tournament with your guys now. What do you do? I mean, it's, a, it's an unusual situation for you with a week and a half between games. How do you go from tomorrow up until then? Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll take a couple days off. I can give them, uh, let them get away from each other a little bit. I would say probably two two days off, and then get back in the gym this week. And, and this week, just do some things. You know, we'll be in the weight room and do a little conditioning. And uh, we won't do a lot of our uh, take a charge drills, you know, hard rebounding drills. We won't do a lot of that this week. You know, this is a good week to uh, to let the guys uh, get uh, get healed up just a little bit, and mentally get freshened up just a little bit. As we get toward the end of the week, you know, we'll, we'll start to go a little harder again. And, and then we'll see what uh, what comes our way on, on Sunday and then have our normal practices next week. And here to left. Hey, Coach, when, when Seth has a maybe a frustrating first half like he had today, do you have something to say to him at halftime, or do you just kind of you know, so maybe his determination is going to kind of take over in this second half. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to the team just uh, as a group about being more physical. You know, I, t I talked, I told Seth and Marv right before we went out after half, and you just got to get more physical with uh, with Lynch and with the other bigs. Uh, they're ducking in and posting, and then when they catch it, uh, that's that's the only thing I talked to them about was uh, a little bit more physical. Coach, uh, more relief or enjoyment to get back here from where you were in Oh, enjoyment. It's been great. You know, one of the things I learned uh, going through as an assistant and the two times as a head coach is uh, I allowed myself to, to get uh, pretty wrapped up in uh, the preparation and just getting on to the next one and on to the next one. I think that's 
just how I'm wired. Uh, I've got a little bit better, a little bit more perspective right now. And uh, I have enjoyed this four months tremendously, and we will continue to. Coach, did you put more emphasis on defense at the beginning of this year and kind of your style of play as the defense first style than in years past? Yeah, more, more so just uh, just a year ago. You know, last year was, the, as I said earlier in the year, we, we kind of uh, took a year off defensively, which uh, still not all that happy about. Uh, but we did, and uh, it was my doing. And uh, so we spent a lot of time, we got back at it this summer, spent a lot of time this fall uh, getting some things done defensively and get a little bit tougher, and, and it, uh, it's paid off for us. Coach, you have two, two valid teams in the NCAAs. Um, Illinois State played just out today. Can you just talk a little bit about the level of play in this league and how it prepared you going forward? Yeah, it, uh, the, the league was, was much better this year than it was a year ago. Uh, I think we're seeing uh, teams and, and guys, uh, we're seeing that improvement. Uh, Evansville returns everybody again. Illinois State's got all kinds of young guys on that floor in the championship game. Indiana State returns a bunch of guys, and I and I can keep going. I mean, I I, uh, I think we've got a great foundation right now uh, across the board in the league, and, uh, and it will continue to to move forward. I think next year the league will be better than it was this year. Yeah, you got the the, the stone face, and your players say you're always calm. Is there anything going on underneath when you're down by 18 in the first half? Any kind of concern? Um, not today. Today I was okay. Uh, I mean, it's been other. As, as I said, Carson, I, I, I thought we were we were playing better than what the score was. You know, there's been times when we've gotten gotten down, and you know, we haven't done what we practiced, and, and inside, I'm as angry as I can possibly be. Uh, and on occasion, that comes out. In a halftime here or there, not very often. Uh, there's, there's a guy in the back of the room that <laughs> caught the back half of one in the timeout a few years ago. Um, but that's uh, it's more about about how we're playing and what the score is. You know that that's that's our deal. I mean we um, we work hard to do things a certain way. And we work hard to uh, prepare ourselves. And, work hard enough that the guys are confident, as we talked about today. Uh, and if we're playing that way and the other team happens to be playing better, uh, I feel like it's my job to, to help the guys just kind of get on track. Uh, if we're not doing what we're supposed to, especially from an effort standpoint, then they're going to hear about it. And, uh, um, but outside of that, uh, I really feel like my job is to help them do well. And, uh, and this is a good group that way. <clears throat> Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Today we're going to cover the dreaded Achilles rupture. Following the last out of Game 5 of the National League playoff series between the Cardinals and Phillies, Ryan Howard collapsed in agony. He suffered a full rupture of his left Achilles tendon. This is one of the most devastating injuries in sports in that it requires one of the longest rehab periods. We're going to cover why that is. Firstly, the anatomy. The Achilles tendon is the thickest and strongest tendon in the human body. It connects the calf muscle, which is called the gastrocnemius, down to the heel bone, which is called the calcaneus. Depending on speed, stride, and weight, the Achilles tendon is strong enough to withstand up to 12 times a person's body weight during a sprint or push-off. So how is it that this tendon is injured? It's usually a ballistic load 
either by accelerating or changing positions or cutting. In this case, Ryan Howard was sprinting out of the batter's box. And he tore his left Achilles. The feeling he got was similar to the feeling that your host, that would be me, got in 1997 during a weekend warrior basketball game at the Springfield Healthplex. It felt like somebody struck me in the back of my left heel with a two-by-four. I looked around to see who the perpetrator was, and nobody was there. That is, when I tore my Achilles following a cut in a basketball game, there was a full rupture, and Ryan Howard had a similar commentary after his tear. He felt, and his perception was, that he was struck with his own bat And that's what caused the Achilles tear, because that's exactly what it feels like. The Achilles tendon was named after the ancient Greek hero of the Trojan War, Achilles. That is, this small part of his body known as the Achilles tendon was his tragic flaw. He was killed by an arrow shot into his heel. So that's how we call this, why we call this an Achilles tendon. Before we talk about treatment, let's talk about prevention. Correct footwear, very, very important. Particularly with high-arched shoes in the games of basketball and tennis. And also proper sports taping in order to allow for extra protection or padding for the Achilles tendon is very important. There are certain things called anti-pronation or motion shoes. And also certain orthotics could be helpful in preventing Achilles injuries. Also proper warm-up and stretching before sports activities is imperative in order to protect one from this injury. However, there's no absolute protection. We can look back at Atlanta Hawks Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins actually tore both Achilles at different times. The first part of treatment of an Achilles is proper diagnosis. Firstly, there's a McMurray's test where there's actually, you palpate, and if there is a full rupture, there will actually be a discontinuity in the Achilles tendon, which is very easy to note and... uh, I certainly recall that with my own Achilles tear. Uh, Normally, there's a fibrous cord, and instead, there's just a space there. There's also a complete lack of the ability to to use that muscle, which is to plantar flex or move the foot in a downward position. So basically, you know, lose your ability to plantar flex. You basically are rendered unable to stand or walk. The acute, the acute treatment is anti-inflammatory medications and ice, and then surgery, usually within a few hours to a few days. I went to surgery within 24 hours of my tear. The surgery is, uh, is not that complicated. Basically, the surgeon goes and retrieves the upper portion of the heel cord, sometimes up as high as the calf muscle, and then basically... Uh, Plantar flexes the foot, that is, brings the foot down completely to uh, connect or reanastomose the two parts of the Achilles. So there's a very firm suture and closure, and then the foot is, cla- is casted in the downward direction of plantar flexion. Over the next few weeks, there are a series of casts that are placed and removed, and the patient graduates to a walking boot, which is also called a Donjoy, D-O-N-J-O-Y boot. This is the same company that makes the uh, Donjoy knee brace, which was made famous by uh, Dan Marino, who wore that heavy knee brace uh, throughout the latter part of his playing career. The MRI can be utilized as a confirmatory test for an Achilles tendon rupture. though the tear is confirmed physically by simply squeezing the calf muscles and the foot doesn't move. You can't palpate the tendon. 
It's a torn. It's a torn Achilles. Operatively, the incision is three to four inches behind the ankle. The risk of the operation to repair of an Achilles are similar to any time there's an operation. That is, infection, scarring, bleeding, poor wound healing. It's unusual for there to be a re-tear or re-rupture of the Achilles tendon, but it is certainly a possibility. In the old days, some cases were treated non-operatively, that is for partial tears. However, the risks of non-operation include a higher risk of re-rupture and possible loss of strength with pushing off of activity. So for a professional athlete, the treatment is almost always surgical. Why is the recovery time so slow? Up to six months. The reason is because the Achilles tendon has a very poor blood supply. And therefore, the healing process is painfully slow. Painfully slow, excuse me. Nothing to do with snow, of course. So, essentially, throughout this process, it's very painful. The Donjoy boot is a laced up, it's actually a Velcroed up uh, boot, which is worn up to the knee. It can be used to assist patients in walking while they recover and while the Achilles slowly heals. A very important part of rehab is to restore range of motion. Gradually try to restore the range of motion with respect to lifting the foot up or dorsiflexion because that's what stretches out the Achilles. So if there is a, uh, a tight Achilles, if there is a contracture, there may be loss of bringing the toe up, which is called dorsiflexion or toe extension. So the rehab has to be uh, very uh, has to be on a daily basis, and involves strengthening the calf. When the patient comes out of the cast, as I recall, the calf muscle is gone, and it has to be completely rehabilitated. With respect to Ryan Howard. He completed the Achilles tendon surgery, which went well, and he's now in a period of casting. The goal is to get it back early next season, but there's certainly no guarantees. Well, he will have the benefit of the best team of physical therapists and rehab doctors. There is an individual variability in the healing process. And when you have a very large, powerful athlete, uh, obviously the recovery is, is, is painful, as is the rehabilitation. So let's summarize the Achilles. It's a tendon that connects the calf to the foot. It's extremely strong. It can hold up to ballistic forces of 12 times the body weight. However, during push-off, or ballistic movements, the athlete can partially or completely tear the Achilles. The diagnosis is easily confirmed using physical testing, though the MRI is often used, as in the case of Ryan Howard. Early treatment, ice, elevation, anti-inflammatories, usually followed by corrective surgery, three to four inch incision, reanastomosis, that is connecting the Achilles tendon followed by progressive casting, and finally, a period of rehabilitation of six to eight months. And it will take up to 12 months for the athlete to return to full action, full running and cutting. The, the purpose of the rehab is to restore strength to the calf, flexibility and dexterity, and to restore range of motion in the foot and ankle structure. So this has been a summary of the sports medicine topic, Achilles tear pertaining to Philly's first baseman, Ryan Howard, and your humble host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, who share one thing in common, and that would be the full rupture of a left Achilles tendon. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a few.
Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.